Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. So let's dive into part two. Go with me to Luke chapter five. We're going to read the first six verses of Luke chapter five. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have them up on the screens. Um, But um, it's also a good idea to bring your Bible, whether you're going to bring it on your phone or bring it, uh, bring pages with you and lift them. Uh, Good idea to bring your word. Let's dive in. Luke chapter five, verses one through six. And the writer Luke is talking about Jesus. Um, that's who he talks about when he says he. So here it goes. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Now, now the Bible says Simon and, and Simon and Peter are the same person, okay? So Simon, Peter, same person. If you see Simon, and then if I say Peter, I don't want you to be confused thinking they're two different people. That's the same person, okay? So when he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed or they caught a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that I am calling, let down your nets again. Let down your nets again. It's my custom to pray before we dive into the message. So would you pray together with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for joining us here today. We thank you, God, for your presence being here in this tent. God, as we dive into your word now, I just pray that you speak to us. We open up our hearts and our minds to receive all that you have to say to us. We pray that your Holy Spirit would deposit something inside of us that we need for this moment in our lives. And Father, my prayer is that as I pray, as I speak to this audience, as I preach to this crowd, would you speak to the individual? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands. Let's dive in. Let's talk about letting down your nets again. Second chances are a great thing, aren't they? Second chances are a great thing. How many of you have ever made, how many of you took advantage of a second chance? Like like you made good on a second chance. You had a second chance and and you took advantage of the second chance. Throw that hand up if you know what it's like. Like, yeah, I got a second chance and I took advantage of it. Well, let me tell you about one of my memories of taking a second chance. You see, when I was a junior in high school, I got a little itchy. I had just been doing a whole lot of music, but I felt like I needed to do some sports. So I signed up for wrestling. I decided, let's go out for wrestling my last two years of high school. Now, wrestling is one of those sports where if you just jump in the last two years, you're going to be mid. You know what I mean? You'll be okay. You ain't going to be a state champ or nothing like that. Those guys that are the best of the best, they have been wrestling since they were little kids or junior high or they got into it when they were in high school. But I knew the captain of the wrestling team. He was my friend. He said, come on, let's, let, I want you to join the team. So I joined the team and I won just as many matches as I lost. I was kind of a, a mid-average wrestler, but it was all about the experience. I liked it. I had a great time. But let me tell you about this one time when I stepped onto the mat. I stepped onto the mat to wrestle and I was feeling myself that day. 
You know what I mean? Like, I looked at the guy that I was wrestling, and I'm like, man, I got this guy. Because you get the weigh-in, you know what I mean? Like, there's weigh-ins, and so you get to size up your opponent at weigh-ins, and I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be easy work. I got this guy. And then the match started, okay? And then the ref blew the whistle, and I don't really remember what happened, but I got pinned so fast <laughs> that I had to go back and ask my teammates. I'm like, yo, yo what happened? <laughs> They're like, you got pinned. I'm like, yeah, I know that, but like how? What did he do? He's like, oh, he did a fireman, you know, just flipped you over and he pinned you. And I remember feeling so deflated. You know, part of it was like my ego being bruised because I sized up a guy and I, I passed the judgment sooner than I should have. Uh, but I just felt like, you know, if I ever wrestle this guy again, I know I can beat him. I know I'll do a better job next time around. Well, guess what happened? I got to wrestle him again at a tournament. And I remember, when, I remember when I was getting ready to wrestle him, I told my dad who was there. My dad went to all my matches. He saw me get flipped over and pinned real quick. And then he was there at the tournament. I said, Dad, I'm going to wrestle him again. And then my dad had pity on me. And like low key, like he was like, oh, okay, son. All right, you know. He saw my energy and he was probably thinking like, I, I saw the first time. You know, I saw this movie already. It's not looking good for you, son. But I was so pumped up because I had won a few matches and I'm ready to wrestle him here at this tournament. And, and, and then the match started. And I, I really wanted to redeem myself. And, and we were going at it. And this was such a hard match. One of my hardest matches. We tied at the end of regulation. Ref's like, we're going to overtime. I'm like, let's go, bring it. Like we, we finished overtime we're still tied and then I've never wrestled this much in my life like this far in a match so so I look at the ref and I'm like so what do we do if we're still tied I have no idea what happens next and so he explains to me okay it's double overtime this is the way the rest of the match is gonna go well Pastor Josh got the win I redeemed myself in second overtime man I thought you'd cheer a little louder than that come on y'all are jacked up I'm not lying either I'm telling the truth I won that match. I got beat so bad the next one. That's not the point, all right? The point is, like, I won that match, and I was so excited because I made the most out of my second chance. And I say all of that because here in the text, Peter gets a second chance. And I want to walk you through the text and how Peter made the most of his second chance. So here in the book of Luke, everybody say Luke. In Luke's gospel, we read about this early moment in Jesus's ministry. Now, last week, I talked to you all about um, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher of the law of the Old Testament. And back in Jesus's day, uh, when he first started teaching, they just knew him as a gifted teacher. You see, you and I, we have hindsight. We know that, no, he's the Messiah. He's the Savior. But in real time, they just know him as a really good teacher they don't know him as messiah yet but they are like kind of blown away because they're like you know what he's just a carpenter's son how is it that he is this good at teaching how is it that an ordinary somebody say ordinary Ordinary. it felt like you were just ordinary that's what they were saying about jesus they're like how is it that just such an ordinary person can preach with so much authority and not just proclaim the scriptures but miracles are following him I talked about this last week. He didn't just teach good, but he made the blind see. He, he made the sick healed. He, casted, he was casting out demons from people who were possessed with demons. Kind of crazy stuff, right? But this is Jesus. And at first they're like, he's so ordinary, but he's not. And so here in this text, he used an opportune time of empty boats. Can you all say empty boats? Dirty nets and tired individuals to work a miracle. Because Luke says when he pulled up, when Jesus pulled up, he saw empty boats, dirty nets, and tired individuals. Now, here's what you need to know. The disciples' disappointment 
okay? Peter, James, and John, their disappointment was a setup for an encounter with Jesus. Isn't that just the way Jesus works, right? When we are going through seasons of disappointment, Jesus steps in. When we go through low seasons of our life, Jesus steps in. So let me weave this all together because Jesus steps onto the scene and all the vibe in the air is disappointment. So Peter, James, and John, they had a long night at sea and they didn't catch any fish. So for a fisherman to work all night, somebody say all night. Anybody ever worked graveyards before? So you can kind of sympathize. Like, this is difficult, all right? So they worked all night. They didn't catch any fish. And there's only one word to describe how they're feeling. And I want you to say it after I say, say disappointment. disappointment. That's how they felt. They felt disappointment because what does not escape Jesus as he is walking by on that morning is that, how, is that he could sense how they were feeling. Luke says this, and Luke wrote these things down. It says that Jesus saw empty boats and Jesus saw them washing their nets. But do you want to know what Jesus did not see? Fish. <laughs> he did not see Fish. Now, it doesn't take a forensics expert to piece together what's happening in this moment. Peter, James, and John are taking an L. You know, like, like they, they're just taking an L because they went all night and didn't catch anything. They were unsuccessful. They invested time. They invested energy. They invested resources into hoping to catch fish that night so they could sell it in the market because when they sell it in the market, they're putting money in their pockets. And when they're putting money in their pockets, they get to come home and just be the, the dad that, you know, every, every kid wants and every wife wants, right? Be able to come home and be like, I provided for my family. Ain't that a good feeling? All the men in the tent today, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's a good feeling when you put in a hard day and you come home feeling good about it. Also, women as well. It's like, I put in a good day. I feel good about what I've accomplished. But that's not what they were going to feel. They weren't going to come home kind of skipping to their loo on the way home feeling like they had a, 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 an evening well spent. They were going to go home empty-handed. They, they were going to go home not just with empty hands but with empty pockets because they had an empty boat. All of these feelings of emptiness. And, and so there are some of you right now that are thinking like, okay, Pastor Josh, but I don't sell fish. <laughs> I don't work on a boat. Uh, so what do empty boats have to deal with me? And what do empty nets have to deal with me right now? Listen, you may not know anything about empty boats, but you know what it's like to work real hard and not move forward in life. You know what it's like to feel like you are showing up, clocking in, clocking out, doing what you think you're supposed to do, and yet life still feels empty. You guys tracking with me now? We, we can understand the disappointment when you are trying to move forward and you have to ask yourself, am I even making a difference? You ever done that before, gotten home from work and you're like, I, that day was kind of weird. Like, like you're just done with your day. Like, like that day felt like a throwaway day. Kind of like how this weather's been, right? How many of you just want to throw this weather away like you want some more sun again? And, and so, so I think we can all relate to this feeling that they have felt. And listen, I understand that feeling because I've dealt with this in my own life. I know what it's like to deal. I know what it's like to deal with the feeling of emptiness. And I want to share that with you. When I used to work at Northrop Grumman and I was a subcontracts manager and towards the, the later part of my, my career there, 
what my boss had me do was I mentored all the kids that were coming out of college. So when they, they graduated from, and, and man, we had some smart kids at this company, whether they were graduating from UCSD, Berkeley, Pepperdine, like, like all of these graduates, they, they'd come into Northrop Grumman and my boss would say, I want you to mentor them. I want you to be, I want you to be their work mentor because they had to find their place in a company of over 100,000 employees. That was the company I worked. It was a huge company. It was massive. And, and one thing that I wrestled to the ground, but what I used to see in them, okay, was they, they, they started working and a couple of years into working for the company, they started going through a midlife, midlife crisis. Uh, yeah, you heard me right. A midlife, midlife crisis. And some of you are kind of like, I have never heard of that in my life. That's because I coined the phrase. All right? I invented that. I'm a trademark at patent pending. All right. But let me walk you through what a midlife, midlife crisis was. It was that moment when a very aspirational college graduate came to the realization that in six months they were not going to be the vice president of the company. Like, you know how kids do, right? They walk in thinking like in six months, this place is going to be my domain. You know what I mean? Like six months later, they realize, shoot, this is not working out the way that I thought it was going to go. And they start having this midlife, midlife crisis. They start to look around and realize that there's people in the positions that they want, and those people aren't leaving, like anytime soon. Like they, they are not leaving. They're not retiring. It's the moment when these people realize that it was going to take time, perhaps a long time, to accomplish the goals that they had for themselves. And I would counsel them as they were going through this midlife, midlife crisis. And they would kind of slump over in their chairs and they would say something like this to me. I just don't know if this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And typically, I mean, they're like, dude, they graduated from college two years ago. I'm like, hold on a second. You still got student loan debt. What are you talking about? You better figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. But, but then I try to offer some advice and um, I would give them some advice as through, through what I went through. And they would even ask me, how do you manage to stay upbeat? How is it that you seem to still be positive? How is it that you seem to be doing okay here in this company, even though, you know, man, there's people, the politics. Y'all know work politics is toxic, right? It's like all of this stuff. How do you stay upbeat? Well, in those moments, I would share with them what I'm getting ready to share with you now. I had to give you all the setup to get you here. Y'all ready for it? I realized that even though I was working and earning a paycheck at Northrop Grumman, I learned that the key to overcoming the feeling of emptiness in my life. And the reason why we're talking about this as the foundation of the blessed life is I needed to stop looking at the natural and start looking at the supernatural. Say that one more time. I needed to stop looking at the natural and start looking at the supernatural. What do I mean by that? I shared this with you last Sunday. The world around us is temporary. It's here today but it's going to be gone the next day. And so what I realized is this world is not my home. I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and I don't have to wait to die to finally enter into heaven. I can start realizing and living my life and experiencing the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. How does that happen? When I make Jesus my Lord and when I make Jesus my savior, something supernaturally happens when I cease to be just a citizen of the United States of America, but now I am a citizen of heaven. So, so let me repackage this in a way that I think is going to help you write this down. If you're taking notes, if you are only living for the rewards of this life, you'll miss out on the rewards of the next life. If you are only somebody say only, if the only thing that matters to you is the house you live in, the car that you drive, the, the brand of your purse, the money in your bank account, if that's the only thing that matters, you're jeopardizing what matters most. And that's what happens in your next life. 
That's what I'm talking about when I say when we cease to look at the supernatural and we only focus at the natural. And so how did I overcome disappointment in my life? Here's how. I didn't get overly attached to something that I cannot bring with me into the next life. Write that down if you're taking notes. You cannot get overly attached to something that you cannot bring with you into the next life. And so many of us get attached to things of this world. And, and, and when, when, when God steps into your life, he literally has to declutter your soul. Because you've been making idols out of things that are temporary. He has to declutter your soul because you're so connected to something that you don't get to take with you into eternity. Now, some of you are feeling the sting of my words right now because some things that are in some things that are going on in your life are not working out. You might be facing money trouble right now and you're trying to figure that out. You're trying to face you're dealing with relationship trouble and you're trying to figure that out. Life is hitting you hard and you feel empty inside. Can you all say empty one more time? Let me just point you to the text and tell you that many times, I want you to get this, it's not until you are dealing with empty expectations that you can have an encounter with Jesus. Many times, it is not until you have hit empty that you are ready to have an encounter with Jesus. So the good news is, if you feel like you're on empty, you're in the right place right now. I thought I'd get a louder amen than that. If you're feeling like you're on empty... You're in the right place right now because sometimes as long as your boat is full, you can't see Jesus. And I'm talking about the boat as his analogy of your life. Sometimes when your boat is so full, you can't see Jesus calling out to you. So maybe the emptiness that you're feeling right now is the evidence that you need a savior. The emptiness, the, the not feeling fulfilled, feeling like this isn't what I thought I'd be doing with my life. I thought I'd be further along. I thought I'd have more money in the bank. I thought I'd be in a different type of relationship. Heck, I thought I'd even be in a relationship. Like, how long am I going to be single? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Maybe some of what you're feeling right now is just evidence that you need Jesus. Maybe all of this stuff that's not working out for you in your life right now is because Jesus wants to step into the empty areas of your life. Because here's what I know. What I see back then and what I see right now is Jesus still steps into empty boats. Jesus still steps into empty boats. So, so let me teach to you through what happened here in the text. The Bible records that Jesus actually taught two messages that day. Two messages, all right? The first one is to the crowd. Everybody say the crowd. And the second message that he taught had the greater impact, and that was the message that he taught to Peter. The second message is the message that mattered more. Here's why. Luke 5, 4 says this, all right? We know that Jesus got on the boat, started teaching to a crowd, right? And then when he was done, he looks over at Peter and says, I want to go a little deeper now, and I want you to let down your net, okay? And so that's where we come together, and, and, and this is where we pick up on the text. Luke 5, 4, it says, and when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep. That means we need to go a little deeper. Everybody say deeper. deeper. And then he says, I want you to let down your nets for a catch. I want you to say, let down your nets. Down so there's two things he tells them. Number one, you got to go deeper. Number two, I need you to let down your nets. Now, I want you to get this because sometimes we read the Bible and we don't read what's happening in what I call the subtext, okay? Can y'all say subtext? I love teaching the Bible and, and there's a subtext going on. The subtext is the details that if you don't stop, pause, and read and reflect on them, you might miss it. So the Bible says Jesus showed up and Peter's washing his nets, meaning Peter was done fishing. Like now, his nets have been washed. 
he, he's, he's ready to go home because like I said a minute ago, it was a disappointing day. Things did not go the way that he thought it was going to go. So, I mean, he's washed his nets. He just wants to go home and get a cold brew coffee <laughs> and watch TV. Like I said, he's like, I just want to just have a cold drink and watch the NBA finals. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, that's all I want to do. And then Jesus shows up. He said, Peter, can I borrow your boat? And that meant, Peter, I need you to steer this boat. He's like, ah. Fine, let's go, Jesus. So, so they get in the boat, and then when Jesus says to him, let down your nets, Peter, so you're like, ah, oh, I just washed my nets already. This is probably what Peter's thinking, okay? This is the conversation that I believe Peter's having in his head. Peter's thinking, listen, Jesus, I know you went to school to be a rabbi, and you are great. You're fantastic. As a matter of fact, you're probably the best teacher of the Bible that I have ever heard in my life. But you're telling me to do the fishing, and I do the fishing. You don't do the fishing, okay? Like, I am a fisherman. I've been a fisherman my whole life because my daddy taught me how to be a fisherman. And do you want to know who taught my daddy how to be a fisherman? His daddy taught him how to be a fisherman. So why don't you let me do the fishing and you do the Bible teaching? That's probably what Peter was thinking when Jesus said, let down your nets again. Now, now, thankfully, Peter didn't say all that. But what he did tell Jesus was he did say, but we've worked all night and we didn't catch a thing. But then he goes on to say this. But if you say so, if you say so, those four words right there, if you say so. Now, I got to preach this. I said, we pulled it apart, so let me preach this. The first thing Jesus says to Peter is this, and I think Jesus says this to us as well when we are feeling empty. The first thing he says is, go deeper. Can you say deeper one more time? I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them that like you had breakfast. Say deeper to them. So what is deeper? Write this down. Deeper is the place that is outside of your comfort zone, but it is also the place where change happens. Deeper is outside of your comfort zone, but it is also the place where change happens. I think sometimes the emptiness of your life is because every time Jesus is calling you to go deeper, you just want to play it safe. Every time Jesus is calling you to go deeper, you just want to stay in the shallow. And we see this all the time. We're like, join a connect group. I don't like people. Not going to do it. We're like, sign up for growth track. I already know my purpose is. I'm not going. <laughs> Join the dream team. I just came to be served. I don't come to serve nobody. Ouch, 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 ouch. All right. Get up in the morning, pray, have devotion. I'm not a morning person. You know what I'm saying? It's like we do this when God is calling us deeper and we've got all these reasons why we don't want to go deeper. But could it be that the reason you are on empty is because you refuse to go to the place that Jesus is calling you into? Peter had every reason to say, I'm not going deeper. But what Peter did do was he said, if you say so, then I'm going to go out just a little deeper. Let me tell you, there are times when God is asking you to leave your comfort zone. And, and it is your response that determines what happens next with your life. Are you going to go deeper or are you going to stay where it's shallow? Are you going to go deeper or are you going to stay in your comfort zone? Are you going to go deeper or are you going to come up with every single excuse? Hear me now, all of which Jesus already knows and yet he still calls you. Don't miss that. Don't miss the fact that Jesus knows you and he knows that you're an introvert. I get it. Some of you are like extroverts and we're like, it's connect group time. Join a small group and you sign up for like five. I get that. Some of you are like, like yeah, I'm joining five groups. Like, good for you. You don't have kids. Um, so, <laughs> 
I get that. But Jesus who knits you, the, the Lord who knits you together and who forms you in the womb of your the womb of your mama, like he, he made you. He knows what your strengths and weaknesses are. And yet if he's calling you to go deeper, knowing your frailties, knowing where you are weak, knowing your shortcomings, you have to know that that is intentional. God's not looking at your disc assessment. We do that in growth. Jack. God's not looking at your disc assessment and saying, oh, you're an introvert. Then I'm not going to make you a preacher. No, that's not the way it works. Like he will call you to do things in spite of you. Pastor Josh is an introvert. I've talked to you about this before. I am an introvert. You put me in a room full of strangers, I'm not happy. I hold up the wall. <laughs> like, I don't want to do it. Now, you might be thinking, oh, but you're up on a stage and communicating. You must be an extrovert. No. This is outside of my comfort zone. But you want to know what this is? This is a calling. And, 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 and when you have a calling, you step outside of your comfort zone. When God has called you, it doesn't matter how you are wired. Those aren't excuses. The way that you are wired and the shortcomings that you have is so that when you do the thing that God is calling you to do, even though it is outside of your comfort zone, it is so that when you do the thing that he's called you to do, God gets all the glory. You can't sit back and say, I have a gift. No, no, you ain't got a gift. You don't even like doing this. But God called you. And when God called you, all you can do is say, God deserves all the glory. God deserves all the praise. I'm going to worship him because this is so far outside of my comfort zone. This is the way God works. Says deeper. Say deeper. deeper. So today you have a choice. I mean, we got this thing all decked out. You guys are lucky. We had rain at the end of the last service. And it got really difficult for signers. But some of you need to take that next step today. So some of you are like, oh, my God, he's going to really make me join a team. I can't make you do anything. But I can tell you that maybe the place that God is calling you next is on the other side of a sign up. Is on the other side of God's scene if you're willing to go just a little deeper. Go just a little deeper. Now, now let me move forward to the next part because there's two things that I said that are happening here. Peter went a little deeper, but remember, Peter said, if you say so. If you say so. Now, those four words radically changed Peter's life. They radically changed Peter's life. Let me, let me tell you something about the DNA of Jesus because this is all throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible, Jesus would ask people to do things that sounded downright crazy. And they had to just do it anyway. You don't believe me? Okay, let me teach it. So Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding. When he was at a wedding, they ran out of wine. So they went to Jesus naturally, and they said, Jesus, we're out of wine. Can you do a miracle or something? Jesus like, yeah, fill me up all those pots with water. They were probably thinking, we don't want water. We want wine. Go fill up the pots of water. As a matter of fact, the Bible actually says that Jesus' mama looked at his disciples and said, just do whatever he tells you to do. It's in the Bible. Go check it, all right? He literally said, just do whatever he tells you to do. I know it's going to make sense, but that's just the way my son is. He asks you to do crazy things, and you have to respond if you say so. And what did they do? They filled up all the water pots with water, brought it to Jesus. What did Jesus do? He turned it to Jesus juice. They had wine for the rest of the party, right? That's what he did. That's what he did. Where else did he do this? He said, go... Remember there was 5,000 people that gathered to hear Jesus teach? And, and then they all got really hungry, and Jesus was like, man, I got to feed them. And they said, listen, the only thing we got is like five loaves of bread and two fishes. And there's like 5,000 people out there. Jesus like, bring me the food. You all know what their response was? If you say so. I, don't, I really don't know what you can do with these two fish. I really have no idea what you're going to do with these five little loaves of bread, but if you say so. And what did Jesus do? He fed the 5,000. He did the miracle on the other side of the if you say so. Let me give you one more. There was a blind man that came up to Jesus. Jesus spit into the dirt, made mud, put it on the guy's eyes. I'm like, he convinced this guy, like, I got you. Let me do this. I know a lot of you be like, I'm out. This is kind of strange. Like, you even spit in my eyes? Like, seriously, come on. I've seen some weird things in church, Jesus, but like, this is weird, weird. 
And, and, and what happens as a result of if you say so? Jesus healed that man. The, one, the funniest one of them all is like when Peter's mother-in-law, like she was about to die. You know what I mean? And like Peter was ready to send her on home to heaven. You know what I mean? He's like, Jesus, you know, my mother-in-law is about to die. Would you just like, uh, I think you should come and just send her on home to heaven. Jesus is like, actually, I'm going to heal her. And Jesus, Peter's like, no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? If you say so. <laughs> if you say so. Now, now, listen, what's the point of all of that? What's the point of all that? I want you to write this down, okay? Jesus doesn't always need your faith, but he always needs your obedience. I want you to get that. Let me teach you on that. Jesus doesn't always need your faith. Because sometimes he tells you to do stuff, you're like, that don't make sense. But here's what he needs you to do. He needs you to obey. You see, so many times, our obedience will follow our faith. Jesus says something like, yeah, let's go, let's do it. I believe, I believe, I believe. That's easy. But what do you do when Jesus tells you to do something and it sounds crazy and you don't want to do it, but you know it's from God? How many of you ever had to do something because you knew it was for God and not because it made you feel any better? Matter of fact, it might have made you angry. Jesus sometimes will ask you to obey before you believe. So sometimes obedience follows faith, but so many times faith follows obedience. When you have to obey even when you don't believe. When you have to obey even when it doesn't make sense. When you have to obey even though it is downright illogical. There are times when obedience has to follow your faith. Some of you are waiting for an explanation and Jesus is like, you're just going to have to trust me. You're like, Jesus, explain it to me. Nah, fam, but you're going to have to trust me. Okay? Some of you are looking at the numbers that don't add up. You're looking at your budget. You're looking at your finances. And then you're like, wait a second. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to give first to the church, that don't make sense. And Jesus is like, it doesn't make sense. Nothing in my kingdom makes sense. But I just want to know, will you trust me? Will you obey me and have your faith follow your obedience? Sometimes you're looking at a situation right now, and it does not look good. But Jesus is looking for you to just simply obey him. And so many of the miracles all throughout the Bible, especially when they didn't believe Jesus, they didn't know who Jesus was. They were like just trying to figure out who this guy is. Like, who is he? This guy like does some weird stuff, but the blinded eyes are being opened. Dead people are being raised. Like, I don't understand what he's doing. I don't even understand why he's making, it, making me do this. But it was always, can you obey me even when it doesn't make sense? Because here's what I know about God. He will open up doors that have been closed, and he will make the impossible possible. Clap your hands if you believe that as well. He, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can think or imagine i'm gonna come to a close now okay now now let me let me finish this story because there's still a little more meat on this bone that i gotta get to you okay so the bible records that peter james and john they caught a lot of fish right that's the miracle or so we think but that really wasn't actually the point of the miracle let let me give to you the point of the miracle unless you walk away thinking oh that was a great bible story pastor josh really needed to hear that no let me give you the point okay it's in verses 8 through 11 of that same passage of scripture. When Peter saw it, meaning when he saw all the fish, okay, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. That's a weird response, right? Like after this happens, instead of Peter like high-fiving his friends, instead of Peter start counting out the racks in his head as he sees all this fish, he's probably like, oh my God, we got so much money. That's not what he does. That's not what he did. He said to Jesus, he falls. 
at his feet and he says, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the size of the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who are partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon in that moment, do not be afraid. Watch this now. From now on, you will be catching men. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. The Bible says that when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything. Can you all say everything? And they followed him. Do you want to know what everything means when they left everything? It means everything. It means all the fish too. Like they had just caught all that fish. And, and, and what they, catch this now, what they thought was the cure to their disappointment, they still left it behind. See, that's what happens when you try to satiate the desires of your heart with what the world provides. Because even when you get it, you're still going to feel empty. And Peter had just caught a whole bunch of fish and that did not make him feel good. If anything, it exposed his need for a savior. That's why so many people, when they have gained the world and they still feel empty, then they come to Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, you can find Jesus now and not have to wait till you hit rock bottom to discover that you had a real need for him. So don't miss the fact that when Jesus, that when Peter got back to the shore, he didn't even cash the fish in. He left it there. Some of y'all think more money's gonna help you. It ain't gonna help you if you just don't have Jesus inside of you. Some of you think if I just had more resources, that's going to make me feel better. That's not going to make you feel any better if you have not had an encounter with Jesus. You think more temporary things that you can't take with you in eternity are you gonna, is going to solve the eternal deficit that you have in your life? It's not. You cannot solve a supernatural problem with a natural solution. There's so many of you that think if I just had more money, I'd be better, and that ain't it. What you need to do is get a revelation of who God is. What you need to do is get a revelation of your kingdom assignment here on earth because no amount of money will leave you feeling fulfilled like doing the thing that God has called you to do. Because Peter had it all in that moment. So much fish, translation, so much money, and yet he left everything to follow Jesus. Well, why is that? Let me teach for you right now. Let me, let me teach. Let, you're going to miss this. If you don't get this, none of this makes sense. In the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, they record a very similar story to the one we just read here in Luke. The difference, however, is in the timeline of events. Luke's story here does not sync up with Matthew and Mark's. Matthew and Mark's telling of the events is identical, and, and, and Luke's is way more dramatic. Um, you see, in, in Matthew and Mark's account, Jesus is walking down the seashore, and he sees Peter, and he tells him, follow me. And the Bible says that Peter, in that moment, let down his nets. He let go of his nets. And he followed Jesus, okay? Um, that Jesus didn't step into his boat. Jesus didn't preach to a multitude. None of that happened. Well, why is Luke's account so different than Matthew and Mark's? Because it's a different story altogether. That happened, Matthew and Mark's account, that happened earlier than what happened here. See, what happened in Matthew and Mark and a closer examination of the scriptures is that when Jesus walked by the seashore that day and he said to Peter, I want you to follow me, Peter followed Jesus from that day forward, but he wasn't following him wholly. Like, like he, had not gone, he had not gone all in on following Jesus yet. He was following Jesus because he was still a fisherman. That's why he was still fishing in Luke. He, he, Jesus said, I want you to leave everything and follow me. And Peter's like, I'll follow you when I'm not fishing, but I still need to fish. Like, like I'll follow you, but like on my own terms. You guys track it with me? P Peter made a decision in that moment. I'll, I'll follow you, but I'm, I'm not going to follow you the way you want me to follow you. I'm going to follow you the way I want to follow you. 
like, like some of you do here in the tent right now. Some of you are following Jesus on your terms and not his terms. You're following him the way you want to follow him. And you know he's calling you to give more. And you know he's calling you to let go of your life. You know he's asking more of you and you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to follow you the way I want to follow you. The good thing about Jesus is he gives you a second chance. So here comes Jesus one more time. And there's Peter washing his nets. Jesus is probably thinking to himself, I asked you to follow me. And you're still doing your thing. How's that working out for you? See an empty boat? See some dirty nets? I see no fish. Jesus is probably looking at Peter and thinking, he's trying to do it his way. And as long as he tries to do it his way, he's never going to be fulfilled. So what does Jesus do? He gives Peter a second chance. He gives Peter another opportunity. And he steps into Peter's boat and they get a whole multitude of fish. And then this is what Jesus says to Peter, from now on, you're going to be fishing for men. Can I give you a 2023 translation of what Jesus said to Peter? From now on, you're going to love and serve people. From, from now on, you're going to love and serve people. And so that tells me two things. Number one, we cannot say we love God if we don't love and serve people. Okay, that's huge right there. Some of y'all need to be writing that down and processing it because you all hate people. Don't bother me. I'm not a people person. That's why you need to be born again. So God can change all of that. So he could renew that. But, but you cannot say you have responded to God if you have not responded to people. But what you need to know is that the entire miracle that happened in the boat that day was just for Jesus to point Peter to loving on others and serving others. Last week, we talked about placing God first, and we were reminded about the prioritization of his kingdom. Well, here in week two, let me take you to your last step. Your, I'm sorry, let me take you to your next step. Write this down. We serve God by serving others. We serve God by serving others. And I don't know if you catch this. This is basically the response to the young man who asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And what did Jesus say? Love God, love people. Hold up, Jesus. I only said, I only asked for one thing. But he said, no, 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 you don't understand. You, 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 don't, you, you get two because of the same. You cannot say you love me if you don't love people. You cannot say you are following me without saying that you also serve people. These two things go together. And, and I think so many times we're just like Peter. I, I asked Zach to bring me an illustration. So this is a net that... I tell you, if you ever need a sermon illustration, call Zach. He seems to have all the props. He has helped me with more props than you know. Every prop that's ever been on this stage has probably been because of Zach. But you see, like Peter, we, we want to serve God, but we want to hang on to our nets. We're like, I'm going to serve you, but I'm going to do it my way. And, and I love how in Matthew and in Mark, the Bible says this. When Jesus called Peter that day, the Bible says he left his net that day. He left it, and he went to go follow Jesus. But then the next day came. You all know what Peter did? Picked up his net right back up again. He went back to what was fishing. He went back to what was familiar. He went back to what was comfortable. And he held on to that net. But the time that Jesus came in the book of Luke and called him, the Bible says that he left everything. He didn't just leave his net. He left everything. Why? Because Jesus was calling him to deeper. Why? Because Jesus was saying, I've come for you to serve other people, Peter. 
I, I know you think your life is all about fish, but I'm about to flip the script and I'll make your life all about other people right now. That's why we motivate you all to join the dream team because so many of you don't even know how to serve other people. And so what is the dream team? That, that's why we got all that going on over there and we encourage you as soon as service is over, I want to see all of you walk over there and think about how I can begin to serve other people. I feel like the dream team is almost like your boot camp in serving other people. Like, we're going to teach you how to serve other people. We're going to show you what it means to serve others. Because some of you are like, I don't even know what that means, Pastor, when you say serve other people. I don't like people. We'll get on the dream team. Let us work on that. Let us help you break that down. Let us help you discover the way God has wired you. Let's get you started. I'm not saying that's the end. I'm not saying that that's, that's the finish line for you all. And I'm not saying that God doesn't have more for you, but that's your start. That, that, that's the way that you can start serving other people. That's how you can start loving on other people. That's how you can start doing the thing that God has asked every single one of us to do, to love on other people, love God and to love people. And that's a place where you can start. So today I'm asking some of you to let go of your nets. I'm asking some of you, if you want to experience the blessed life, number one, you got to put God first. Number two, you got to do it his way. Because so many of us want to serve God on our terms. I'm going to serve you, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to serve you, but I'm going to do it, do it when, when the way that I am comfortable, what's convenient for me, and I'm not going to step outside of my comfort zone. But today, Lighthouse Church, I'm telling you, you're never going to find yourself until you lose yourself. Jesus said that. I, I've quoted the Bible. He said, you want to find your life? You have to lose it first. And so many of you are feeling like I'm stuck. I'm incomplete. I'm not fulfilled. That's because you're trying to do it your way. But can you try doing it Jesus' way? What would happen if you went all in? on what he's asking you to do. So you got to let go of your nets and follow him. Now, here's the second thing, a great application that I find here in the text. Peter was done. Peter's like, man, I've already washed my nets. I'm done, Jesus. Like, seriously, you're going to make me throw down my nets again? I feel like that's some of you here today, where at one point in time, you were in ministry, doing ministry, loving on other people, but somewhere along the line, you got some church hurt for whatever reason. You got disappointed. Things didn't work out. And you're, now you come to church, but you got to guard up. Like, like, like you're here now, and maybe you're here because you left another place, and your guard is up. And you're like, I'm not joining on a team, and I'm not going to love too much, and I'm not going to do too much. Last time I did that, church burned me. Last time I did that, all this church hurt. Whatever, okay? Whatever that is. Jesus told Peter, let down your net again. And I'm here telling some of you right now that are dealing with some of that, let down your net again. Let, let it down again. Trust that God has got you. He knows you, and he's not done with you. Let me pray over you right there. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, for what you're doing here. I thank you, God, because you don't give up on us. Just like you gave Peter a second chance, you give us a second chance. And if we look closer at your Bible, we'll discover that we get third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. You don't give up on us. And so today, my prayer, God, is that someone would respond to your call. That today, someone would make a decision to not just check the box that they came. To not just go through the motions of having sat through a Sunday service. Father, I just pray that someone would make a decision to go deeper today. That someone would make a decision to go beyond their comfort zone. To go beyond what is convenient. To go just a little further with you today. That's my hope and prayer. And God, I know you're doing it right now. I know even right now there are some people that are being pricked in their hearts because everything that was, that, that was said today is exactly where they are. They're going through something and they're in their, they're in their 
20s or maybe even their early 30s and they're feeling unfulfilled and they're feeling like they don't know what to do with life. They're feeling like they have, they're feeling like they're missing it while so many other people seem to be on it. And they just feel lost right now. God, I pray for them. I pray that they would realize that they're never going to find fulfillment in the temporary. They need to find fulfillment in you. And that their identity is not wrapped up in accomplishment, but their identity is wrapped up in who you say they are. So God, I pray that someone would declutter their life, declutter their soul, declutter their thoughts right now, and just start to focus on you, that they would begin to realize that they are who you say they are, and you, who you say they are is a son of God, who you say they are is a daughter of God, who you say they are is loved, who you say they are is redeemed, who you say they are is your righteousness, who you say they are, Father, is fearfully and wonderfully made. Nobody is here on accident. And nobody is here by coincidence. But they're here today listening to this sermon right now because you are calling them to go deeper. Father, I pray that they respond and that they would never be the same again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others. Or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.